something great from God and I'm expecting him to do it. As the writer Luke likes to say, parakrema, immediately, I'm expecting him to do something great for me right now. And for those of you who are joining us now virtually, we praise God for you. And we pray that you are doing the same as we're doing here in the sanctuary, that you are expecting something great from God right now in your life. Come on, put those hands together again and give God some praise. Hallelujah. We're going quickly to the word of the Lord. We're going to 1 Samuel and we'll be looking at verse at chapter 17, and we'll be looking at verses 41 through 45. Again, that's 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we'll be looking at verses 41 through 45. We'll be le- reading from the English Standard Version, amen, so it may vary a bit from yours. But if you'll go and meet us there at what we may call the uh, turning point. There for David, one of the disruptive moments. We've been talking about disruption for our theme for this month. And we've been talking about disruptive moments and how you break the flow in your own life and how you step out with boldness and courage into what God desires you to do. And I don't think there's a greater example in the Bible than you find from David. And we're going to share a bit of that story on this morning as it relates, as that text relates to our thought. Again, we're talking about disruption, and that will be our theme for this month. There in 1 Samuel 17, verse 41, the word of the Lord reads, And the Philistine moved forward, that's talking about Goliath, and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you have come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. I want to talk to you for a few moments. Our our thought again is disruption. And when I thought about disruption in this context, I always think of a question, maybe a question that helps us to absorb the lesson. Am I bold enough to take the next step in my destiny? And that's a question you ought to ask yourself. Am I bold enough? to take the next step in my destiny. When I begin to consider that question and that thought, and I begin to consider David here, there's a few things that I ought to keep in mind. And one of the first things that we should keep in mind is that David, when he was present there, when he came and arrived with his brothers, when he got there, he was sent simply on a mission to deliver lunch to his older brothers. Because David himself was not old enough to fight. Now, many of us know David. David was a fighter. He liked to fight. (laughs) He liked to fight. So he's like some of y'all. Some of y'all like to fight. Come on now. Some of y'all haven't been saved all your life, and some of y'all aren't all the way saved yet. You're a work in progress. (laughs) But but David David liked to fight. I often think that we talk about David fighting the bear and David fighting the lion. I, I'm, I'm wondering, was the bear, were the bear and the, and the lion out there just minding their business? 
And David decided, I'm going to go fight for him. Because David, he liked to fight. That was just part of his nature, part of the reason why later on God tells him that he is not going to be responsible for building the temple is because his hands were covered in blood. David had been a warrior. David had been a fighter. fighter. David had been in battle and had killed so much during his lifetime that even when it came, he wanted to build a temple for God, but God told him, no, there's too much blood on your hands. In other words, David, you like to fight too much. You've had too much fighting in your history for you to be the one responsible for building the temple. So we know that Solomon, his son, was later held responsible for building the temple. But David, he, he, he liked to fight. He liked to engage in battle. But here, he was not allowed to be a part of the army simply because he was not old enough. I'm sure if he was old enough, they would have allowed him to be on the front lines. So he's there, and his father has sent him. But what I want you to understand is that his appearance in that moment was divinely arranged. His appearance in that moment was divinely arranged. That's one of the things why why I tell you, even when we speak and when we minister to you and share share with you, it's not because I'm thinking I'm sharing a, a, a message that is so great. It has nothing to do with me. But you're here for a purpose. God divinely arranged for you to be here. And something that I say that I may not have never even intended to say may spark something in you that pushes you towards your destiny. That's why I call all of these messages their destiny moments so that we'll be ready and prepared to move in the direction that God will have us to move, not by my words, but by his word. Because anything you're going to highlight is his word. I never understood how many scriptures I quote during the course of a message till Joseph and I, during the pandemic, we tried to capture them all and put them on the screen. And Joseph said, no, that's too many. (laughs) The reason is because the lesson that we're trying to learn is found in his words, not in my mind. I'm trying to share with you what God said, not what I said. I'm just leading you in the direction of his word. So anytime we are confronted by his word is a destiny moment because at that moment, God could be literally pushing us into where he desires us to be. David didn't understand and Jesse didn't understand either. David's father, the one who sent him on on the particular errand, he didn't understand how important that moment was for David. He was just simply doing something he thought that he would ordinarily do, but God sent him at that moment for a purpose. The reason I say this is because Jesse could have sent him at a time that Goliath had decided to retreat and take a nap. But he sent him at a moment where Goliath was spitting foul things that that touched David's spirit and and caused him to be bold enough to make a move in that moment. Jesse didn't even understand his role in what God was doing in that errand. And that's why the Bible says for us, despise not the day of small things. You You might think something is not important. You might not think something is relevant. You might think, and this is human nature, you might think your stature is too great to take on that assignment. Your stature is too great. Because I want you to understand something. David was already anointed king. I want you to get that. David had already been anointed king. So David could have said, Daddy, hold on now. Hold on now. I used to do lunch runs. When I was just a shepherd boy, I used to, I I didn't mind you telling him, but right now what I need you to do, dad, I need you to take a little of that bass out of your voice. 
I need you to talk to me a little bit differently. Because I, 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 I was, was going to be the king. I, 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 I'm about to be the king. So I need you to watch how you talk to me. And sometimes we allow appointments and assignments and little, we get a little position and we, we, we forget who we are. We start, we start acting different. And sometimes, and this is what they say also about alcohol, when you, have, when you, you get drunk, it doesn't make you somebody different. It enhances who you, are, who you really are. And sometimes that's what positions do. It's not you've been acting meek and mild because you didn't have a position or title next to your name. But now it brings out who you really are. And sometimes it's ugly what it brings out. Because we haven't put our flesh truly under subjection. It sometimes it highlights our deficiencies, and that's why we should continue to pray, Lord, don't shine the light on me, but let your light shine through me so that people don't see me. I don't want you to see me. I want you to see God operating through me. Because if you look at me, you, you'll start seeing imperfections. Oh, oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. You'll find, the start, as soon as you start looking, the more imperfections you'll find. In fact, I'll tell you the secret of, of passing an inspection is make everything look good when they first look at it. Because if they see one bad thing, then they start investigating. They come investigate that restaurant. Oh, is, that, is that a piece of mold on the back of that sink? Then they start looking further and they start digging behind stuff. And before you know it, they found all kinds of violations because, simply because they found just that one thing. And I found as, a, as, as, as I look at myself, maybe, maybe you got it together. I look at myself, the more I look, the more I see. The more I find that I need to work on myself. When I start praying, you, you know, you start praying. And I'm like, Lord, I, if I start praying for everything I need help with, Lord, I don't, I don't know if I have enough time to pray. That's why we, we need to spend less time worrying about other people and start spending more time on ourselves. Lord, I need you to help me with this. And while I'm thinking about it, Lord, I need you to help. And, and Lord, I'm not, I'm not ready right there either. And I, uh, we start enumerating the things where we need God's help. We ought to say, Lord, just purge me with this. That's what David said. Wash me that I might be whiter than snow. There's so many things going on inside of me that I need you to cleanse and I need you to make right in the things that I need you to make ready. Because when I, the more I examine myself, the more... I need to focus less on me, and I need people to focus more on you. David, in this moment, in this assignment where he'd been sent simply to deliver a lunch, could have been high and mighty. He could have been haughty with this thing, but he understood that God, and I need you to get this, God does not simply observe how we do the big things. God observes how we handle small things. He observes how we handle small things. And the reason he observes that is because in your life, you're going to have more small things to deal with than big things. And God is saying, how can I trust you with the big things if I can't trust you with the small things? Because it's while you're busy perfecting your role in the small things that God watches you. While you're working on the things that don't seem to matter. That's when God observes you as you're working on small things. Are, are you too haughty? Are you too big to pick up a mop? Uh, 
You too big to, to sweep out the hallway. Are, are, are you too grand and your title too big to get on your knees and, and clean a toilet? Are, are you too important to pick up trash around your pew? Oh, it's, I, I like preaching to silence because when you, I've heard, I've understood now that it's hard to say man while you're thinking. Uh, am I am I too important to, to come unlock the door? Am I am I too important to say hi to somebody who I think is not as important as I am? Mm. Even the world says one of the quote out there it says you, you, the real measure of a man is how you treat people you don't need. How do you treat people that can't help you? The people that can't write you a check. The people, if you give them a gift, they can't give you one back. How do you treat those people? So maybe, and just moment me in this moment, Jesse didn't understand what he was doing, but he was teaching his son, who had already been anointed king, a lesson in humility. You might be anointed king, but you're not too big to deliver this lunch to your brother's. You're not too big to walk to where they are and serve them. Because the true measure of someone's understanding of what leadership is, is that you know how to serve. You know, the problem, I'll tell you, the person, the supervisor you're going to have the most problems with is the one who never learned to serve. The one who never learned to do what you do. Come on in here. And I, I know I got some amens in here. They, they, they don't appreciate what you do because they've never done it. So they don't know how to, they don't know how to be on the front line. They, they don't know what it takes to do your job. They don't, they don't appreciate and understand how valuable you are at your position. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, baby, you need to pray about it. And then God may be asking you to move. Because you won't work your best if you know your supervisor doesn't appreciate what you do. And you know what you will do? You won't rise to the level of your ability. You'll rise to the level of their understanding. (laughs) I need you to get that. You won't rise to the level of your ability. You'll rise to the level of their understanding of what you do. So if you are working at home and you, you, you work eight, hour, eight hours during the day, but then you go home and then there's some other stuff you're doing you, just so that you'll be prepared to, to, to work an effective eight hours. But then you begin to see that your supervisor doesn't know that you, what all you do. So you'll stop working at home to be prepared for what you do at work. And you may not work as fast or you may not work as efficiently because you are lowering your standard of your ability down to their ability to understand what you do. They think I come in and I look at this screen. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come in and I'm going to look at this screen. I'm going to lower my expectation of what I can do down to their understanding of what I do. And when you do that, you're not just cheating them, you're cheating yourself. Because you're not rising to the, to the level of your own capacity. You're not exercising the fullness of your gift and your ability. So if you get in a situation, I'm telling you, you might need to pray about it, but it may be time to move. 
Because you should never, I don't care what they say, don't ever lower your standard. Don't ever lower your standard. I, I know what I have in me. So for me to do less than what God put in me is an insult not to me. It's an insult to God. Because I'm doing less than what I'm capable of doing. So if I can be great at big things, I need to show God I'm great at small things. So if I'm delivering this lunch, mama's not here, so I'm going to talk about it anyway. I'm going to bring the Christmas this lunch. <laughs> I'm going to show you. I'm going to put the each and every sandwich in its own Ziploc bag. I'm going to make sure the dates on all the ingredients are correct. I, I'm going to stack it in a way that I have the cold part near an ice pack, and I'm going to have the warm part in a different part so it doesn't get crushed. I'm, I'm going to have this thing mapped out, and I'm going to put it, present it to them in a, in a way that's logical and makes sense and, and is scrumptious to them. I'm going to do my very best at being the best lunch maker I can be because I need to be excellent on this level. I'm not going to wait and be excellent when they call my name. Because if you're not excellent where you are, give me, I'm going to give you a hint. They'll never call your name. Never call your name. What was David good at when God sent Samuel to anoint him as king of Israel? He was good at keeping sheep. That's what he was good at. He was good at keeping sheep. But you know what? God understood that his ability to keep sheep will translate into what I need him to do next. If he'll fight, come on here, for, my, for the sheep, that he's going to fight for the people. If he's going to care about one sheep, remember Jesus said that the shepherd, the good shepherd, will leave the 99 and go chase the one. If he has the mindset of the good shepherd, then I know he'll know how to lead my people. If he knows how, I, w I wish you were here with me, he'll help the keep sheep not lose their mind. Because sometimes the sheep, they're, they're, they're so bothered by pests that sometimes they say that if the shepherd doesn't soothe them, that the sheep will start beating its head against the rock because it's so annoyed by the pests that are in its hair. But, but the sh good shepherd pours a little oil on the sheep's head. So that's why they say, well, they anointed my head with oil. They, they anointed the sheep's head with oil, and the oil would cause the pest, the itching to stop. It would cause the pest to go away so that the sheep didn't harm itself. If he has that much care over the life of the sheep, I know he'll have that much care over the lives and the mindsets and preserving my people. So while he was being a good shepherd, God was preparing him for what was next in his life. But the thing about it is often, and I need you to understand this, often you're being prepared even when you don't understand. Small situations are coming in your life and, and, and the way you talk to people is important because you never know God might be sending somebody there to prepare you. That person that talks to you crazy at work, watch out now. God might be preparing you. That person that lies on you behind your back and you've said and you've decided in your mind the next time I see them, I'm gonna tell them about themselves. Be careful. God might be preparing you. 
that supervisor that keeps overlooking you and, 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 and keeps running you down and not, and not appreciating what you do. Watch how you treat them. God might be preparing you. So, so, so while David was still telling the sheep, I want you to understand, David comes in the house after Samuel says, I'm not leaving this house until I anoint somebody, king of Israel. He goes in the house, Samuel anoints him, and then after Samuel anoints him, David goes right back out to the field to tend to the sheep. And I don't know what he said in the field, but none of the sheep cared that he was anointed king. Probably went out there. I can imagine some of us going out to the to, out there acting different. Now you better not act a fool with me today, sheep. I'm the king. <laughs> Watch how you address me, cause I'm the king. Keep laughing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a curve in a moment. But 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 he, he's out there walking different. He may have come in dressed different the next day. He got clean. You know us. We got clean the next day. Yesterday I dressed different, but today I'm the king. But you know what? None of the sheep cared that he was king. They didn't care. What I need you to understand is where you are right now in your small place. None of them understand your anointing. None of them understand what God has already anointed you to be next. And just like the sheep, if you tell them, they won't understand. They won't understand. So what you have to do because they don't understand is still operating in excellence in what you do on the level where you are. Even if they don't understand where you're going. Some of you right now, you have dreams in your mind and things that you want God to do for you. And if you told the people around you, they wouldn't even understand. They'd be like, okay. (laughs) They look at you. They might be respectful, but they don't understand. So it's incumbent upon us not to change who we are just because God has anointed us for another level. Don't change who you are. Don't treat them different. And let me give you this, baby. Don't treat yourself different. You know why you don't need to treat yourself different? Because when you were in the small level, before you were anointed, you ought to know who you are. And that's why I want you to give me this. God, God is not anointing confused people. God anoints people who are even on small levels, but they know who they are. I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm mopping the kitchen. I'm a child of the king, baby. Don't get it twisted. Don't, don't be confused by this mop in my hand. I'm a child. I'm raking the straw back here with the horses, but baby, don't get confused now. I'm a child of the king, and I might smell like my surroundings right now. But don't get confused. I know who I am. And if I'm a child of a king while I'm raking the straw and I'm a child of a king while I'm sweeping and mopping. If I'm a child of a king while I'm flipping the fries, then, then I can be the same child of the king when I'm supervising other people. I, I can be the child of the king when I'm president and CEO. I, I can be child of the king when I'm owning everything around me because I never lost who I was. Didn't lose my identity. 
Sometimes we don't lose our identity. We forget it. You know somebody who forgot their identity? The prodigal son. Prodigal son went out and spent all that he had. And then he got into the pig pen. And he didn't get a new title. He just remembered who he already was. His father didn't come and anoint him a son while he was in the pigsty. He just remembered he was a son. He said, hold on, before I eat this husk. And all of y'all, y'all have had a husk moment. You don't have to raise your hand and testify. Before I eat this husk, let me think about a little bit about who I am. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a son. I, 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 I'm a child. In fact, the, the servants in my father's house, they have it better than I have it right now. And so it's not a matter of me receiving another position. It's just a matter of wherever I go, I still need to remember who I am. I'm a son inside the house. I'm a son outside the house. I'm a son in the pigsty. I'm a son at my father's table. Wherever I go, I'm a child. I wish you were in here with me. I'm a child of the king, and God doesn't mind elevating people who already know wherever I go, I know who I am. That's why Paul said, whether I'm a base or whether I'm a bound, I've learned to be content in everything that I do because you can't take my sonship. I'm still his child. Uh, You can repossess my car, but you can't take my sonship. You can fire me from this job, but you can't take my sonship. I'm still a child of the king, wherever I go and whatever I have, no matter how much or how little, I understand who I am. So David said, while I was out there with the sheep, I was anointed king. While I'm delivering this lunch, I'm anointed king. When I start having to run from Saul, I'm still anointed king. Because when I'm anointed, get this now, When I'm anointed to something that I have not yet received until I get it, I cannot die. I want you, I I, I, I cannot die. You know, later on, David had to be chased by Saul and Saul was trying to kill him. But somewhere in David's heart, he had to say, I've been anointed king and I'm not there yet. So that means I can't die in the cave. I can't die in the fields. I can't die by Saul's sword because I have not yet ascended to that which God said I'm going to have. And I don't know who I'm talking to in here, but somebody in here, God has promised you something and, and you haven't gotten there yet, but I came to tell you, baby, you cannot die where you are until you walk into what God said you're going to have until I step in to what God said I'm going to be. I will live and I will not die until I Reach the level that God promised me. Somebody say he promised me. Come on, say it like you mean to say he promised me. And he didn't promise an orphan. He promised his child. You are his son. You are his daughter. It is your inheritance. And whatever God said I'm going to have. I'm going to have. Whatever God said I'm going to be. I'm going to be. And if you're walking with me, then you get this. Then David heard Goliath talking about his daddy. David said, hold on. You're not going to talk about my daddy like that. Because who I am 
is tied up in who he is. Some of y'all aren't offended when people talk about God because who you are is not tied up in who he is. You ought to be offended when people slander God and talk about God. But David said, my identity is tied up in who my God is. So when people lie about it, when people talk about it, when people run down his name, I get offended because my identity is tied up in who God, who God is. So he said, Goliath, hold on now. You're not going to talk about my God like that. You're going to keep my God's name out your mouth. Y'all ain't going to talk to me in here. Because who I am, which I will whip it, is tied up in who he is. So you're going to keep on talking, but I'm going to let you know I brought my slingshot with me. I, I, I didn't start this fight, but I, I will finish it. If I wish I were here with me. Uh, I, I, I preached this sermon before. I said, don't start nothing, won't be nothing. It, 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 I didn't come here to fight. I came here to deliver a lunch. But if you want to keep running your mouth, I got a slingshot in my pocket. I looked down at the creek. I saw a few stones. So, baby, if you want to keep talking, I got some stones for you. Just keep running your mouth. Goliath said, boy, y'all going to send me this little boy to fight? Goliath said, I've been standing in the valley of Elah for 40 long days talking about your God, and none of you were bold enough to come fight me, but you're going to send this little boy to come defend your God's name. Goliath said, if it took you 40 days to come up with that, baby, I ain't scared of what you got for me. But David said, David wasn't scared. David said, what shall be done for the man? See, David already called himself the man. He said, I said, you got to know who you are. I'm a shepherd, but what shall be done for the man who does defend the honor of Israel against this uncircumcised Philistine? David's brother said, David, you're too small. You're running your mouth too much. You need to shut up and go sit down somewhere. David said, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to him. And he told, I wish I were here with me. He told me that there is going to be honor conferred on the man who defends the name of the Lord. I came to tell you, baby, sometimes you just need to turn around and stop talking to the folks that are telling you not to do it and talk to the folks who will tell you the reward in what God has already told you to do. Sometimes you don't need to change your location, baby. You just need to turn around. Not talking to you. I, I, I told you last week you need to put some people on unfollow. Don't listen to everybody on social media. Don't listen to everybody that you're related to. Don't listen to everybody that calls you a friend. You need to turn around and talk to somebody who's saying something in line with what God told you. Because faith comes by hearing. What you hear is important. David said, I'm not listening. I wasn't talking to you, brothers. I was talking to him. He told me what should be done for the man that confronts this Philistine. So David was bold enough. And I need to ask you again, are you bold enough? 
David was bold enough to take the next step in line with his destiny because everything that was triggered in his mind is like his spidey sense. Something was tingling in his mind that let him know this is a moment where I need to step up. And I came to tell everybody in here, God is presenting you with a moment for you to step up. A time for you to step out in boldness. A time for you to not be afraid. We sat on Tuesday night. A time for you to do it scared. For you to do it anyway, even when you don't feel like you're ready. But you're trusting God with the result. You're trusting God to make a way when you don't see a way. You're trusting God that when I'm weak, he will make me strong. Not because of who I am, but because God is with me. Somebody say God is with me. God is with me. So David, he said, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to confront the lions. And he said, while I'm confronting the lions, I thank God that he already prepared me. I already know how to use this slingshot. I already know how to sling these stones. I'm not afraid of who I'm facing because I faced the lion and I faced the bear and I still came out on top. And I'm also playing with what you, you some of y'all would say I'm playing with house money because I know I can't die where I am. I want you to get that. I can't die where I am. Why can't I die where I am? The reason I can't die where I am is because I'm not yet king. And because I'm not king yet, I can't die until I walk in to what God has promised me. <laughs> so I can go ahead and fight Goliath. Because I have the confidence of knowing that Goliath can't kill me. There's something bigger in me than me myself. Because God has anointed me to be king. So that means I'll confront Goliath. And I'm going to live. And I'm not going to die. Because I've been anointed to something that I have not yet obtained. And I came to tell somebody right now. There's a victory and a confidence in knowing that I have not yet reached what God promised me. Because if I haven't gotten there yet, I can be bold when I walk out. Because I can't die right here. I can be bold when I step against the enemy. Because I can't die right here. I cannot die until I reach what God told me I'm going to have. I cannot die until I reach what God told me I'm going to be. So David told the Philistine, he said, you come out here with your sword you come out here with your shield you come out here with your javelin but it said I came to you in the name of the Lord and in the name of the Lord I'm going to sling this stone in your direction and my God's going to guide it I'm going to sling this stone in you but I'm not providing the force God's providing the force and when I sling it in your direction baby it's over for you in fact I'm going to come over your dead carcass. I'm going to grab your own sword and I'm going to cut off your head with your sword because I cannot die until I walk in to what God promised me. So I don't care what the doctor says. If God said I'm going to live, I'm not dying. I'm not caring what your scan says. Don't care what my blood work says. I don't care what I didn't do. But I'm going to tell you what God said. God said I will live. I wish I had a witness 
that's in here and mine die. I don't care what you said about my children. God told me my children were going to be saved. So I'm standing firm on the word of the Lord because I haven't can't die until I get to where God promised me. I don't care what you say about my relationship. I know what God told me and I will have, I will be everything that God said. Everybody stand until you see that. Hallelujah. Come on, put those hands in this. David, he was still operating from a small space. David was still just a shepherd. He didn't have a title. He didn't have a position when he killed Goliath. But he had boldness because of what God promised. He was standing on God's promise. He was not standing on a manifestation of something he'd already seen. He was stepping out with boldness on God's promise. And I came to tell you, you, you it might not be what, the thing that you're facing right now. Nobody might be writing a book on your life. Nobody might be doing a documentary on your life. But just as bold as David was, you have to be in your own life. Nobody might record your story. But that doesn't mean your next step doesn't require the same level of boldness. You're going to have to step out with boldness and believe what God has already told you, what God has already promised you. I'm trusting God with this step. I'm trusting God when I'm changing careers. I'm changing God, trusting God when, I, when I'm leaving this job. I'm trusting God when I embark upon this relationship. I'm trusting God when I go get this loan for my business. I'm trusting God in the things that I do. I'm trusting God to make bold steps regarding my health. I'm trusting God to embark on this for my family. Those steps that you're making, they require the same amount of boldness that David had to show when he stepped out to face Goliath. All of us have Goliaths. There's a Goliath in every one of our lives. And whatever your Goliath is, it's going to require the same level of boldness and faith that David had in trusting God. David had to trust God. See, often we look at this story in the confines of us understanding the results. We know what happened in the end. It's easy to go through a story when you know the conclusion. But I want you to capture David in the moment when he is deciding that I'm going to step out against this giant. I don't have any formal training in battle. I'm not even a member of the army. I'm too young. My training is only in protecting the sheep. But something on the inside of me, I hear God telling me this is my time to step out. This is my time to be bold. 
And even though I can't see the result, I'm trusting God with the result. And each and every one of you in that moment, that's where you are. That's where you are right now. You're not standing, you're not in the moment where you're standing over the dead Goliath holding his head in your hand. You're standing in that moment where David is deciding, am I going to step out and fight this giant? Do I have enough faith and boldness to step out and face my destiny? And in every one of your moments, I'm telling you, when what God said is on the other side of your mountain, you have to have enough faith to pray, Lord, you, you were moving. Whatever you, whatever God's promised you, if it's on the other side of your storm, I'm going to go through this storm understanding that God's promise is on the other side of it. What God has told me will happen is on the other side of this trial. I came to tell you, I've said it before, and I need you to get it. The devil doesn't guard the wrong door. Whatever the wrong door in your life is, the devil doesn't guard that door. He wants you to walk in that door. You will walk in unopposed. You will walk in without conflict because that's where he wants you to go. But every door that God has for you, the devil is going to try and get in your way. He's going to try and impede you from going that direction. He's going to try and take you off that path. So the resistance that you're feeling, baby, it's good to know it. It's good to see resistance because that means you're opening the right door. That means you're going the right way. And what God has promised you, I want to say this to you, is one bold step away. David was one bold step away from being everything that God desired him to be. And the, in your life is the same thing. You're one bold step away from laying claim to what your destiny, to laying claim to your promise, to laying hands on what God has for you. Let me pray with you all heads about Heavenly Father, Lord. Right now in this destiny moment, Lord, give us the boldness to take that step. Give us the boldness to take that leap. Lord, let us have the same assurance that David had. The Lord, I cannot die where I am. I cannot fail. I cannot fall miserably or be destroyed where I am until I reach the promise that you have made for me. Until I walk in to what you said I will have. Until I step up to what you said I will be. Lord, your promise is riding with me and will carry me all the way to the place that you've designed for me. So let me be strengthened, Lord. Help me to forsake those voices that are not in line with your word. Until I reach the place that you have set up especially for me. And until then, Lord, Lord, let not me be, I will not be haughty. Lord, I will learn to be great and excellent on my level. Lord, I will not put aside the small things in my life. But Lord, you're observing how excellent I can be in doing even the small things in my life. Until you take me to that place of promise that you desire for me. And Lord, I claim all these things in thy son Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. For those of you who've been watching us virtually, we pray that you live with expectation until we shall see you again. Come I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by give a five. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.